And then in Mike's house, he's like the end row unit. So he had uh, a side door already and the previous owners had put in a full four piece bathroom. Are you a real estate investor looking to sharpen your skills or a newbie looking to become one? You're in the right place. Welcome to Where Should I Invest? Real Estate Investing in Canada with your host, Sarah Larvey. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Where Should I Invest with Sarah Larby. And I'm super excited. There's tons of stuff going on recently. I am finalizing the Burr course content and everything fun that's going to be part of that course. The Burr course is going to be a mix of in-fields. We're actually going to be looking at properties and analyzing them and looking at properties throughout the whole entire process of the Burr. And we're also going to be doing some in-class training as well as online. So if you guys are interested in the Burr course, send me an email or reach out and I can give you more information. But the details should be on my website, which is sarahlarby.com. And also, I'm super excited about today's guest, who is Evelyn LaMarche. And Evelyn and her husband, they've got two beautiful kids. They live and invest in Hamilton. And she's been able to retire her husband from his full-time job through real estate by the houses that they were buying and buying the right ones at the right time and doing the right things to them. They have achieved what most people have not achieved and it is really cool because she actually loves her job and wants to stay there. So she's not necessarily looking for that piece of retirement, but she's retired her husband, which is really cool. And they just bought a really awesome boat and they're just living the life. And she's just like so humble and I just, I just love her. Like she's just so great and like wanting to share and educate and really is able to show that if you just get your mind, you know, and focus and keep going one property at a time, you're going to be able to get there before you know it. And their kids' lives are going to be completely different because of real estate investing than they would have been if they never got into this amazing game. I call it a game, but it's it's not a game. It's investing, but it's awesome. So super excited to have her on the show. And thank you guys for listening. Thank you for listening. I really, really appreciate you tuning in every single week. And also thank you for your comments. Thank you for your emails. And you know, if there's anything I can do to help you, feel free to reach out to me as well, which you can email me at sarah at sarahlarby.com or you can add me on Instagram, which is investor Sarah Larby. And if you are interested in any help, coaching, or courses, feel free to reach out for that as well. But without further ado, I'm super excited about today's interview. So let's get on with that. Hey, Evelyn, welcome to the podcast. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me on the show. Good. I'm super excited. Now, you live in Hamilton, correct? Yes. And you invest in Hamilton. Yes. And so for those of you that may not know you, can you tell us a little bit about how you got started in real estate investing and what your strategy is? Sure. Yeah. So when I was 24 and I finished my degree in occupational therapy, I graduated with no student debt 
and so was going to be working and making money and thought I needed to do something responsible with the money that I would be making for the first time in my life. And so I read tons of books from the library and all different types of investing, you know, ETFs and stocks and real estate. And the only thing that made sense to me was real estate. And so I decided that's what I was going to do. So then I spent the next two years saving as much money as I possibly could and learning as much as I could. And then at 26, bought my first investment property and all of our properties that we have now, they're, they're all buy and holds. And they're, I have five student rentals and then five single family homes, one of which we recently turned into an Airbnb. So that's our new sort of strategy, but all of, again, just all buy and holds because good things are happening in Hamilton and there's like not a single property of ours that we ever want to give up. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that really is the the way to build long-term wealth is through buy and hold. Now, you still work full-time as far as I know. Is that still the case? I'm on mat leave right now, which is more than a full-time job, 24 hours a day, no holidays, no overtime pay. But yeah, I am, I'm going to go back to work in the fall and I work for St. Joe's Hospital in Hamilton. I work on an outreach mental health program as an occupational therapist. And I love it. There's nothing else I'd rather be doing. And I, I don't plan on quitting my job anytime soon because I, I love it. To me, it's actually not a job. It's really my vocation, I guess. It's kind of like what I was meant to do, which is kind of a weird thing. I was, you know, I love hanging out with adults who have schizophrenia and live in the community. That's my thing. And What's great, though, is by having our investments and you know building our wealth is that every day when I go to work, I'm not there because I have to be there because I need that paycheck. I go in every day because I want to be there. That is awesome. And you know, that's the biggest thing, too, because people also come to me and say, Sarah, like, why are you still working full time? And I think part of it is I actually do want to be there and it's the culture and it sounds like you're in a role that you're, you're not having to be there because of uh, financial, you're wanting to be there because you enjoy helping others and you, you know, and, yeah. and it's really cool because I think your husband retired though. Yes. He's retired because he was an auto mechanic and did not love his job. As you can imagine, it's like a pretty tough job. There's nothing ergonomic about it. Every product they use is a carcinogen in some way, shape, or form. And in the summer, the, the bay is so hot and yucky. And in the winter, like you got like ice and like snow falling on you when you're under a car. And, you know, he's got some chemical like burns, you know, every now and again, he'll come home with, you know, something new or something in his eye or whatever. And you know, when customers need work done to their car, they're not happy about it. So everyone who comes in is pissed off. They got to spend money on their car. And, you know, the guys that work in the shop, you can imagine they're just not, you know, super high, high level people that he, you know, wants to be spending his time with or that are bringing him up in any sort of way. And so he still loves cars, still works on cars, you know, in the driveway, you know, at his leisure and, but doesn't have to, work on cars so that's when we first met and we're sort of you know planning out our future together that was our goal from the very start that Mike wanted to quit his job and we wanted to use real estate 
to do that. And I don't want to quit my job. So it worked out perfectly. And it also works out perfectly. Mike and I are just such a great team because he being a tradesperson is just skilled at so many things for our properties that we manage ourselves. So he's able to do, you know, full kitchens, full bathroom reno, flooring, drywall, painting, work on the driveway, work on the roofs, like any most things he can do except for very complex plumbing or anything complex electrical or complex HVAC, but the simple type of stuff he can do himself. And he enjoys doing that? And he loves it. Good. Because he doesn't have to do it, it's because he wants to. And if, you know, there's ever a job that he doesn't want to do, like he knows that I'm always, I'm the first one to be like, let's just hire somebody. Then. Right. And then he's like, no, no, we can't pay somebody to do something that I can do. So it works out fine. And he just, if there's something new, like he loves learning, like he'll go on YouTube and, you know, learn whatever skill it is that he needs to do to, to get the job done. Cause there's always new problems popping up the houses and he just loves learning new things and Good. he gets satisfaction from doing a job well done, doing it right the first time. You guys compliment each other very well. That's awesome. You're a great team. Yeah. <laughs> so how, how long did it take you as you were starting your investing to really be able to say, okay, I feel like, now one of us can leave our jobs and it wasn't going to be you. So one of him in, in this case, and was it a certain cash flow number that you were looking for? Was it a certain, you know, number of properties? How did you determine that? And when was it? Sure. So I started when I was single, so I didn't even know Mike. So I bought my first rental and my goal was just to have four houses before I was 30. That was sort of arbitrary and I just thought that would be pretty cool and that would be buying a house a year for four years. I was 26 when I bought my first house and I thought, you know, I think I could, that's like a sustainable pace that I could do. And so I was on track buying a house a year and then my third year I bought a house and moved into it and rented out part of it. And Mike was my neighbor and that's how we met. Mike fell in love with the girl next door. Very cute. I resisted for as long as I could, and then I fell in love with him, and then the rest is history. So then I actually moved next door into Mike's house, and then the house that I bought um, next door became just a full rental. And then in Mike's house, he's like the end row unit, so he had uh, a side door already, and the previous owners had put in a full four-piece bathroom, a huge kitchen, a big bedroom and a nice common space downstairs. So it was already set up as an amazing basement apartment. And it had never occurred to him to rent it out <laughs> until he met me. And so he, you know, rented that out. And then when we moved next door, we lived on the main floor and upstairs and we continued to rent out our, uh, our basement here. And so when we got married, then we were pretty aggressive. So at that point it was a house a year. I owned three and then Mike owned his own house. So that was sort of four at that point. And then when we had the goal of Mike quitting his job, we decided to be pretty aggressive. And because we also wanted to really maximize our time before starting our family, because we knew that once we had kids, like we just couldn't be, you know, as aggressive as we would want to be. Right. We'd want to focus on our family. So within a span of 15 months, 
we bought five more houses and that was from refinancing the houses that we already had. So the house that Mike owned personally had quite a bit of equity in it because he owned it for several years already. And then uh, houses that I had had some equity in it because the prices were just going up so much and was able, were able to pull out enough money to then buy our next five houses doing it that way. Where should I invest with your host, Sarah Larvey? We'll be right back. Hey guys, I just wanted to take a quick moment and pause the podcast interview here because I wanted to introduce you to Dahlia Barsoom of Streetwise Mortgages. I am a big believer, as you guys probably have heard, work with a mortgage broker. They are going to help you scale. And when I was first growing in real estate investing and looking to buying my second property and my third property, I was going directly to the bank then. I hadn't met Dahlia yet. And I actually was hitting a roadblock when it came to financing because the bank started asking me for 25% as the down payment. And then for my third property, they wanted 35%. And it was really, really hard for me to A, understand why it was creeping up like that. And B, I didn't have 35% to put down. I had 20%. And luckily, I actually met Dahlia at that point in time. And Dahlia is actually an investor herself, and she works with many, many investors. And she knows all the pitfalls and the barriers that normally come up with dealing directly with a bank and all the different lenders. And Dahlia was actually able to not just find me proper alternatives, but I've got nine properties now, and I'm still able to get financing with A-lenders, and it allows me to be able to scale up without hitting the financing wall. And so she's been a tremendous help. So the other thing I really, really enjoy is Dahlia also does a free goals analysis. So if you go to either my website or her website, streetwisemortgages.com, mention the podcast and ask for the free goals analysis, it was a game changer for me. And it allowed me to actually understand what I needed to do, how many properties I was going to get because of the cash flow that I was looking for. If you guys wanted to reach out to Dahlia, you can reach out to her by email, which is info at streetwisemortgages.com, or you can actually reach out to her on the website at streetwisemortgages.com, and then just go to the contact section. And you can also call her at 1-800-208-208. 6255. Thanks for listening and back to the show. Back to the show. Where should I invest? Real estate investing in Canada with your host, Sarah Larvey. So, did you do that before he quit his job or while he was still employed? Yes. So, he was still working full time while we were aggressively buying all those houses. And then, so let's see. So, that would have been figure out dates and times, but it doesn't even matter. So basically, I'm trying to think. So we got married and then, so two years later we had Isabella. So then while I was on mat leave, he continued to work part-time. And then when I went back to work after having Isabella, then he basically quit entirely. So it was sort of based on cash flow, based on sort of our, our life at that time, like it didn't make sense for him to be fully retired while I was also on mat because my income was reduced at that time right. as well. So it still happened that he was still working. But then when I went back to work and was making my full salary again, he decided that 
working part-time is not even worth it. Like it was still kind of nice. He's still like having his foot in the door at the shop, but then decided, you know, it's not even worth it anymore. He's entirely done. So Mike was 30 years old when he got to quit his job. That is cool. Did you guys have a retirement party of some kind? No, we never did. No? Never <laughs> but, um, the, yeah, but Mike works, I mean, he works harder now than before but but the difference is is that it's all work that he wants to do and that directs uh, like directly benefits our family whereas before he was making a whole whole lot of money for the store owner right making peanuts so you know a fraction of the shop rate would go to him whereas now everything that he does to build up you know the quality and the value of our investments benefits us directly so there's you know, motivation for him to really do good work at all of our properties and make really on like the the high end of, you know, what the neighborhood wants. And like, for example, our student rentals, he puts in granite countertops and really nice quality fixtures that can, you know, take the beating from students. And, mm-hmm. and he really puts a whole lot of effort into doing a job well done and using quality materials that'll stand the test of time and add value to the, to the property. Very cool. Now, are you guys still acquiring or are you just putting it on hold and just cashing in on the rewards and all the hard work that you've been doing for the last, you know, little while is, or is there more to come after you get back from that leave? Yeah. So I guess the, the key thing maybe for some of your listeners to hear is that, yeah, we're taking a break. Nice. And we're going to start again later, but it's okay to take a break. You don't have to be like on high gear all the time because I know a lot of people, you know, it's good to hustle. Absolutely. We certainly had our time of, of hustling, but it's nice to just like stop and relax and just like enjoy the hard work that you've done. Yeah. To have the option to say no like I've had people who have had someone reach out to me who wanted to do a joint venture and I was just like you know what I really want to say yes I'm probably foolish for saying no but I just don't want another project right now I have a daughter that's almost going to be three I have a newborn and I'm not looking for more work for myself or more responsibility or more no I just I but that's a luxury like a lot of people you know, if somebody was like, hey, let's do a deal together, like, I'd have to say yes, because they need that, where it's a luxury for us to be like, no, we're just going to enjoy this really, really special time with our young kids. And probably one day when they're both in school and, you know, doing things, I, I know that because I, I know me and Mike, where this is not the end. But for right now, we're taking a break and it feels really, really good. And I'm going to enjoy it because I know that there's a whole lot of hustle more to come. And it's a really neat place to be right now. Yeah. Hey, there's nothing wrong with that. And it's good that you're, and I thank you for, for mentioning it because a lot of people think it's always go and go and go and go and go. But sometimes you might have reached some of your goals. I mean, you're probably going to come up with some other goals at some point in the future, but if you have a goal and you've reached it and now you want to enjoy some of the fruits of your labor and the time and your family and your kids, I mean, those are some years you might never get back. Yeah, that's, that's exactly it. And sometimes I sort of like beat myself up and be like, no, like Evelyn, like you should be like looking to do more, like you should be hustling harder. And I had this like internal like argument with myself and 
thankfully the rational side of my brain is like, Evelyn, like just cool it. You got the whole rest of your life to hustle. <laughs> but you are you have ten anyways right now, don't you? And that's it, exactly. Like we our sort of goal was to have ten properties and our goal was for Mike to retire. And we've done that and it feels really, really good. So that is, that's amazing. I mean, so, and it's just you and Mike, correct? Or do you have other joint ventures nope, and partners? All, everything we own personally. And so it's a hundred percent your profits, a hundred percent your problems as well. And a hundred percent your, you know, <laughs> your control. Yeah. Yeah. That's it too. That's great. So how has it been to have that time? Like, I mean, what have you guys done that really is, something that you would have never thought you would have been doing when you started at 24 years old in terms of your lifestyle or the way that you're, you're living today? Yeah, so I guess the biggest cool thing is that we have a 32-foot cabin cruiser boat that we spend a lot of time on. Very nice. Growing up, my, I was never like, my family was not a boating family. And, uh, but Mike, he's originally from BC, and so boats are like, he was a very big part of his life and always wanted to have a boat. We had a little 21 foot speedboat a couple of years ago and we thought, you know, we'll, we'll probably have this five, 10 years. And then it was, we had it three years. And then last summer with like us and our kids and my sister and her kids, like it just like was not big enough. And we're like, I guess we need a bigger boat. <laughs> and so we actually used a line of credit from one of our rental properties. One of the mortgages that had like a line of credit attached to it. And so bought it with a line of credit from one of our rentals. And that's pretty cool. And we actually pay off the line of credit with money from our rentals. So that's our, the way to do it. They're both being paid for by our rental properties. And that feels pretty cool because again, like during that time when we were hustling, like every, every dime was being saved and used for down payments, used for rentals, used for our business and we didn't really do a whole lot of special, you know, things. And, and Mike and I were just like such like simple people. Like we still love shopping at Value Village on 50% off day. Like we just like can't even like help ourselves. Like we still <laughs> like the thriftiest people you've ever met. I, I drive like a 10 year old Toyota Corolla that has maybe 87 horsepower like it's my mike hates it so much he calls it like an old lawnmower it's like a riding lawnmower it's got no power to it whatsoever it's got no feature that is desirable but i love that car so much and mike drives an old car too like we don't have nice cars and, and it's cars. paid off too right yeah, we paid for them. i paid for my car in cash eight years ago so, I mean, and that's how you build wealth is, is by putting your money where things are going to grow rather than depreciate. I would still have my little Mazda three yeah. if it didn't get crashed into by somebody that was texting and driving, but it was totaled. I figured I'd get something nicer at that point in time. However, I was completely happy with the little Mazda. Exactly. I'm happy with my, when it, when it dies, we can reevaluate, but until that time it gets me from A to B and it's not an asset. So I'm not really interested, you know, in spending any more money on it. And my clothes are not an asset, but our rental properties are. So that's, you know, where, where our focus is. But certainly buying the boat has been sort of our way to celebrate our success and sort of another goal achieved. Absolutely. So what would you say to a 24, 25 year old starting today 
and hearing your story and wondering, okay, well, she started maybe, you know, X amount of years ago, prices were different. This is harder now in Hamilton. Where else do I look? How do I do this? I mean, things might've changed. What would you say to them? Yeah. So, I mean, number one is live below your means. And especially if you are single or childless, see what you can get away with. Like live with your roommate, drive an old car, like don't spend money on expensive things and like bank that money. Like have a separate, what I did, I had a separate bank account and every month I put money in it to save up for my first down payment for the house because I, and everyone of course is completely different, but if you're in my situation where, where you're not married and have no kids, so you don't have those other like expenses or other such things, then it's, it's easier to do. And because I was still sort of in the mode of being a student when I did it. So I was used to, you know, being thrifty with a lot of things. And I actually continued to live with my master's students um, when, I, when I finished, because I just liked living with students. It was actually in a house by my parents. They moved away when I was in university and sort of made a deal that I could live there as long as I had roommates. So I, that's actually how I kind of felt really comfortable with real estate is because I had that experience where my parents abandoned me and were like, figure it out. So I, <laughs> I got students and sort of was the property manager for my parents' house and saw that they were getting all the rent checks and I was doing all the work and figured I could do this. But to get back to your original question, yeah, live below your means, save everything you can, learn everything you can. So read books, go to like real estate meetup groups, like talk one-on-one -on -one with people who have done it and just learn everything you can for your first property. I mean, for me, I saved up. I didn't even know joint ventures was a thing. So if you, you know, learn about that, see if, you know, if you can partner with somebody or if your parents can help you out instead of, you know, money towards a wedding or your own first house for yourself. See if your parents will give you money for putting towards a real estate investment. And, you know, there are, are lots of creative ways to, to do it, but certainly investing in, in your education is something that's super important that I started doing at that time too because I figured again I have time to learn and so definitely you know a lot of the people that I met back then like I still are still like my my real estate investing buddies that I can call on and you know when I'm having a tough time and they can you know help me out and like relate and like yeah I was there too and and so that's nice to always feel like you're not alone because I think for a lot of entrepreneurs in general and for sure real estate investors who are connected to others it's just so tough Absolutely. It is great advice. And you know, the other thing too, not the people listening to this podcast, cause you know, they're getting educated, but it's, you know, it's crazy. People spend more time planning a seven day vacation yeah. than their financial futures. And to me, it's just, I don't know. I, like, I really don't get it. And the, obviously the people that are listening obviously are, are in our, in our group here. We're talking, we're preaching the choir, but you know, we go out there and it's funny because in our group, Having 10 properties, having five properties, having, you know, 15 properties, it's actually a normal thing. It's the weirdest thing. It has become such a normal thing. And then you go out in the, in the world and you're like, oh, it's like 1% <laughs> of people that A, you know, really plan financially, understand finances in general, and then yet a smaller percentage of 
of investors that are actually educating themselves in real estate. But you know, it's a, it's really cool because the more that you're in it, and you can probably attest to this as well, the more that you get connected to people that are in the industry that are doing it and you're helping each other out and you're, you know, running ideas by one another. And like, it's a, a huge opportunity to just really be able to grow. And you know, like, it's, it's funny. Cause now I look, I look at my top five and my top five are actually investors themselves. So slowly, that's just <laughs> the direction that I took. And it is, it is pretty cool. And everyone's, you know, helping each other and really trying to pull one another into uh, just that financial freedom piece. That's, uh, it is really cool. So a myth, because you're, you're a landlord, you buy and hold, and, and obviously you guys do your own management. One of the things that I get asked a lot is, you know, like, are you going to have to go and like fix toilets or leaking things at like three in the morning? Has that ever happened to you? No, not in the morning. They usually, they usually <laughs> okay. wait until the morning to let us know because there's usually not anything that's actually yeah. a crisis at that time. We have had like emergencies, I suppose, but not anything that required us to like leave our home immediately. Right. And, and it's funny because I'm like, yeah, you know, leaks will happen. Things will happen. That's why you've got phone number for your plumber, your electrician, your handyman. And of course, you know, like that's if an emergency for us, we don't do any of the work, but for you guys, I mean, that's, that's even better. You're probably saving money doing it if you enjoy it and if he enjoys it. But at the end of the day, the toilet thing at three in the morning to me, that's just kind of a myth yeah. that people <laughs> use to scare scare others and into not doing it. tenants know, and we try to, especially our students, anyone who don't know, tell them that there's a water turnoff inside the toilet that you can, if there, if that is happening, that they, that they're not powerless. <laughs> a lot of times when we do exactly. sort of get calls exactly. from, it's often the students because they just don't know. Like me or Mike can coach them over the phone as to what to do until we get there if yeah. we need to go at all. But I will say this as a, uh, a learning for your listeners. We did have one of our student rentals. It could have been a regular home, but the furnace was leaking carbon monoxide. And thankfully, the carbon monoxide detector worked and was ringing. And the students actually didn't call us, which is weird because students usually always call us when it's not appropriate. That would have been an appropriate time to call us, and they did it. But it was fine anyway because it was, again, like late at night that it happened. So they actually just called 911 and the fire um, came and did like confirm, yes, this is carbon monoxide, you need to leave the house, open the windows, turn off the, the gas, the furnace, et cetera. And so the next day we had a new furnace installed and everything, you know, was good. But just a, a reminder to everyone, make sure your carbon detectors work because that could have been really, really bad. Like there were who were home when there was carbon monoxide coming from the furnace, unfortunately, but yeah, that, that could have been, uh, that could have been bad if you did not do your, your regular checks on. So public service announcement to everyone. If you haven't checked your carbon monoxide detectors, that literally saved our bacon. Like that would have, like, there's not many things that'll kill tenants, but carbon monoxide can. So take it seriously, everybody and your smoke alarms, like, all very very easy to change your battery or I mean, most of them are plugged in now anyway but just I get mine them. hardwired in do you guys do that we do for like if we're doing like a reno we'll do mm. that but for some of the older homes we don't know okay yeah, no, I always, uh, I, you know, it's just one of those things for whatever reason, as soon as I get a house, I'm like, Hey, hardwire it, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, 
yeah. But it, you're, you're probably also doing renos when you're getting yeah. it. Yeah, well, we, we burr them mostly, so. Exactly. So for ours, a lot of them, we were able to buy just like turnkey. So haven't had to do that yet. But nice. a few of them are hardwired in and the other ones that aren't, we are very good. You guys are very diligent. <laughs> Honestly, it's like the students or who knows why especially the smoke alarms so I guess they go off and it's annoying they'll just like take the batteries out and Mike is forever going and putting new batteries in and scolding the students about the importance of it absolutely well you know it's uh we could keep talking forever you got so many great insights and uh so nice to see another you know person I would I would assume you're, like, you're probably around my age started young you know, built a portfolio and you guys are like a power couple. It's just awesome to see. So we do have to wrap it up. So but usually what we do at the end of the podcast is we have a lightning round. So there's a series of five questions. So you're going to actually let me know what your first answer that comes to mind is. Are you ready? Yeah. So lightning round question number one, Evelyn, what is your favorite real estate investing book ever? Oh, I, it, everybody says it. It's Rich Dad, Poor Dad, only because it was the first book that I read that really like expanded my thinking. But other than that, I really like Julie's brought just two books, um, but her, the first one, More Than Cash Flow. Okay. Yeah. Perfect. Number two, what is your favorite podcast? I am a super fan of Erwin Zito and his uh, podcast, The Truth mm -hmm. About Real Estate Investing. Okay. Very cool. Number three, what do you do for fun aside from real estate? Oh, I've answered it for you already. It's chilling on the boat. Nice, nice. So number four, if you lost all your money and your assets tomorrow, how would you start again? Same way I started, just with real estate again. All right. And last question, if somebody has $50,000 and they want to get started, how would you recommend that they spend it? Sure. So $50,000 in most of our markets is not quite enough for a down payment. Pretty, you know, a good, good start. So I would recommend continuing to save and using some of that money towards, you know, mentorship, education, and or partnering with somebody and putting their that 50 grand towards the down payment as well. So they got some skin in the game and then just learning as they go. All right. Excellent. Evelyn, thank you so much for being on the show. Where can listeners find you if they wanted to reach out and know more about you? I'm on Facebook, Evelyn LaMarche. Or you can email me, EvelynLamarche at gmail.com. Okay, excellent. Any final last words of advice? If there's one piece of advice you'd like to let the listeners know. No, just surround yourself with other people, other investors who you can learn from and build each other up. There is more than enough opportunity for everybody to be successful. So there's no need to, you know, keep information to yourself. That's why I love doing podcasts and sharing with other people can all be successful. Amazing. On that note, thank you so much, Evelyn, for sharing and being on the show and for just being such a great inspiration to a lot of Canadians and women also out there. So thank you. Yeah. Thanks, Sarah. Hey guys, before you go, I wanted to ask you a question. What's stopping you from starting or growing your own real estate investment portfolio? I know for me, before I started, I had plenty of reasons and at the time they all seemed very valid, but as I started my journey, these reasons slowly fell away and eventually only one reason remained. 
What was actually stopping me was having a proven, actionable, repeatable system. I didn't have that. And the way that was going to change was by investing in myself, learning, listening, and looking for ways that worked. And also, most importantly, discovering what didn't and not making those mistakes again. Fast forward to today, I now have a proven, repeatable series of action steps that has enabled me to build my seven-figure portfolio consisting of multiple homes, and I'm able to manage that in two to three hours a month. Is that something that you would want? Well, I've actually taken all the knowledge I've accumulated and put that into a comprehensive step-by-step online program. It's called Rise, and it's a program that will help you from where you are now to where you want to be faster and with less of the headaches that I had. So it consists of all the templates and the resources that I use, plus over 40 instructional videos that you get lifetime access to for just a small one-time investment. And you know, my recommendation is to make the time now to invest in yourself and grow your portfolio to seven figures so that you can bring your retirement dreams closer. If you want some more information about Rise, just go to sarahlarby.com forward slash R-I-S-E to access more details and book your spot. Thanks so much for listening to Where Should I Invest with your host, Sarah Larby. Make sure to listen in next time. We'll catch you on the next episode of Where Should I Invest.